the Wayne Ayers Podcast. The Wayne Ayers Podcast. Woohoo! Time to wake your ass up for a blessed day. How you been? How you doing, everything? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. That's good. That's good. Um, let's get started with the Mandalorian series. You know, one of the best series out right now. Um, what was like your initial reaction like when you got casted to like this part, which people still don't really know like about your character as well either. But like, like how how did it feel like your initial reaction getting casted? Well, uh, I knew very little initially. The show had not been named yet. The show had not been announced at all. I knew it was some sort of Star Wars live action show, um, but it was on this strange new streaming platform that Disney was launching. Um, The details were very sparse because, of course, they were trying to keep everything secret, which includes telling the actors next to nothing. And I'm really glad for that because it meant that I didn't really have much to make me nervous. I had no idea it was going to become the hit that it has become, which meant I could just focus on doing my work. And there was so much with this character to dig into. Um, I mean, so little information, but she's so rich and she, you know, I feel like she symbolizes so much. She is the mentor to Din Djarin and she's, she's really this archetypal figure within the series. Um, and there were a lot of images that John and Dave gave me to think about. And, and um, there's just so much that I love. I love thinking about with her. She's different from any other character I've ever played. So she gives me a lot to contend with. No, yeah, I feel like your character like knows so much more than what she actually discloses. Like, are we gonna ever get like a background story of the armor? Because I know like some people like, the armor is like dope and cold and everything, but they don't like, they don't know much about her. I don't know how much we're going to learn about her. Um, there's not a lot of details that we, we've sort of purposefully stayed away from trying to pin her down too much because it seems to serve her better to stay a little, forgive me, that is my, my dog barking. I think at the Amazon delivery man. Um, it seems to serve her better to leave things open because as you said, she's somebody who always seems to know more than she's letting on. And I wouldn't say that she necessarily can see the future in a very specific way, but I think that she has a a sixth sense about things. I think that she can sort of feel her way into things that might happen. And she sort of knows, um, she knows how to guide Din Djarin. She knows his potential. And I think that she has great hope about where things could go. Um, but she's different from anyone else that I've I've played because it actually helps me not to get too specific about her own personal journey because I think that she does really serve his journey and she serves um the mandalorians as a whole and and really the story as a whole in that way so no yeah i know one thing like what star wars does is like the epic helmet reveal i know you can't say nothing about it but like what's like your ideal like like helmet reveal if you could do it like just in your oh my gosh i've never thought about it like what would Um, be like your ideal helmet reveal i know star wars always nails it but it's like 
I think I haven't, I haven't thought about it because I, I don't want to jinx it. I'm sure that if, and when it happens, they will have the perfect way to do that. Hold on just a second. I'm going to go deal with Arthur. Sorry about that. Oh, no he's, he likes to pretend that he's tough, but if anyone actually did break in, I, I don't know that he would do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to jinx it. I don't know what the perfect helmet reveal would be. I'm going to leave that to the geniuses. Okay, okay. I know, like, <laughs> I know, like, fans have, like, throw out, like, the crazy theories about the armor and everything. Like, what's the biggest misconception you, like, you heard about the armor? Well, one of the things that I have been asked uh, a lot since that episode of the Book of Boba Fett is, um, or not necessarily asked, but a lot of people have, have been really upset with me and, and you know, they say, how could you do that to him? How could you banish him? And, and I have to remind them, I'm, I didn't do anything. You know, he's the one that, that chose to remove his helmet. He knew what the consequences were. He made an informed decision. You know, he felt it was worth it in that moment. And anytime you have taken an oath and then you decide to go against that oath, there's going to be consequences. And, um, I think that we learn a lot when we have to answer for something that we've done like that. And I think that the armorer is always interested in his growth. I don't think she's out to just punish anyone for the sake of punishing them. And I think the same is true with Din. So um, I would venture to guess that there's, you know, there's a lot that he's going to learn whether or not he succeeds in his quest or not, this redemption that he's seeking to find. So I, I do think it's easy for us to look at somebody like her who is an authority figure in many ways and who uphold, upholds these rules. And we tend to chafe against rules, you know? We think like, ah, they're horrible. But rules are there to oftentimes give us structure that... Uh, that protects us no yeah without um, rules the whole everything will fall apart yeah i mean our parents you know when we're kids we're like ah i don't want you to give me all these rules and it's horrible and yet they only do that because they love us it's to keep us safe so and then when, when you break them something bad happened to you but damn maybe i should listen to my mom dad you know <laughs> yeah. but no yeah no uh, i know sometimes in shows like everything can't make the episodes was there something that you shot that you wish made the episode? Well, I do wish that we had, oh my gosh, I'm so relieved for the magic of filmmaking and the fact that so much can be edited out. Um, because when I put on that helmet, I'm basically blind. I can't see anything. And there's a lot of moments where we Mandalorians just run into each other we bonk helmets together, we trip on things. It's like the Three Stooges. And I wish that there were uh, a bloopers reel that they would release just with that footage because we could have an entirely different show that's a comedy just with that. So I kind of, I, I I don't want that to be in The Mandalorian because that would be an entirely different tone. Um, <laughs> but I wish that we could have a separate show it's a whole comedy series of uh, of Mandalorians just being idiots because we have plenty of plenty of that material too. <laughs> yeah speaking of the helmet like how does that even like work like how do you breathe and everything out of there like how does that like how is like the helmet situation the helmet situation is very 
complicated. It depends on, oh my gosh, if it's, if it's hot where we're shooting, it can fog up very quickly. And anyone who does cosplay knows this. I now have great sympathy for people who build these elaborate cosplay things and then go to conventions in the summer. Um, you know, your visor fogs up. You can't really see if you're having to do any heavy breathing, like if you're running or if you're in a fight scene, that gets complicated. If it's cold out, it's quite wonderful because then it keeps you warm. Um, it is that when we do have to do these heavy action scenes, like when we were fighting that gator, turtle, dinosaur, whatever it was, they had uh, chin straps to try to keep the helmets on. But even then, I saw with some of the stunt performers, you know, they were doing these incredible stunts and flying through the air on these wires, and then a helmet would fly off. And obviously, you can't use that take because the Mandalorians can't remove their helmets. So then they would have to go back and do the whole thing over again. So Helmet acting is uh, is a very special challenge. Is there like a sure. uh, is there like a microphone in there or like headphones where there you guys is, can yes. hear yourself? Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, because they record all of the dialogue while we're shooting the scenes, and then we go back afterwards. And if there's anything that got muffled or something, um, we re-record that. Or if they decide they want to change a line, if they think if they realize afterwards, oh, we could rewrite this line. We think this would work better for the scene that's really easy to do because you don't have to match it with anybody's mouth movement. So that's, that's great. Okay. I know you just listed like a bunch of like, it's not like, I want to say bad, but it's like, I would, I personally wouldn't want to have a helmet on. Is there anything like good when you like wearing a helmet at all or no? Oh yes. I mean, first of all, <laughs> I don't have to go through hair and makeup when I get to set, which is great. That saves me about two hours. And it's also kind of great to be, Sitting there, you know, in between takes when they're setting up all the lights and everything, I can just kind of sit there and watch everything and nobody knows what I'm thinking. It's uh, it's kind of a sneaky little, sneaky little situation and I, I like it. I, I oh, speaking of uh, what you call it, your character, I know like fans are um, expecting like a little showdown between you, uh, Bo. Like, is that going to ever happen? I don't know if you can't probably speak on it. <laughs> you cut out a little bit. You said a showdown between me and who? Uh, uh, Bo, Bo Cotton. Because it's looking like it's going through that way. Can you hear me? Oh, well, wouldn't you like to know? You're trying to get spoilers out of me now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there are two incredibly strong and smart women. So I I think it would be interesting for the two of them to meet. We'll see what happens. Where's like your favorite character outside of your character on a show? Probably Baby Yoda. Well, I have to say Baby Yoda because that's everyone's favorite character, right? Yeah, no, it's like baby, it's just so adorable. <laughs> uh, I love. I got to go back to Werner Herzog's character though in season one because he fascinates me. No, yeah, that's actually like another good one. Do you have like a favorite Baby Yoda memory or favorite? Not memory, but uh, scene. I love um, uh, me personally. I love when Baby Yoda was playing with the wires, and he also took the kids' um, kids' food. That was like that was epic. that was just so cool to me. Yeah, I mean the the when he's when he's standing there sipping the the grog, that's pretty epic. He's got so many great moments that are just these single like reaction takes, um, and it's such a testament to to great editing because they know exactly when to cut to him to get his reaction, which is is so subtle and specific and such great storytelling. 
No, yeah. Um, I feel like there's gonna be like a a civil war. You probably can't touch up on that either. But like, how would you like to see? Like, if you could, like, how would you like to see stuff go down? There's gonna be a what? Sorry. Like a, a civil war between, like, in the oh, civil war. Yeah. You tell like, me. I, what do you think? Uh, I know. I just feel like there's gonna be like a little civil war coming through. I don't know what to expect, but. I just, <laughs> Yeah, never mind. I'm gonna just leave that alone. Um, let's go like Star Wars movies. What's like your favorite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. That is like I love that one. I go between that one and New Hope. I feel like New Hope sets that sets it up. Yeah, I mean that's the OG, right? Yeah, I feel like yeah, those those two, but I go back and forth. Like New Hope kind of like for me is like Infinity Wars, and then like Strike Back is like um Endgame. Like it just it sets each other up for the I love those are my favorite too. Although when I was growing up, I feel like I don't remember what the first one that I saw was, but I remember getting so attached to the Ewoks when I was a kid and I would play Ewok adventures in my backyard because I was just in love with them. They were my jam. Um, And so I just I have all these like hazy memories of Ewoks just being like my playmates when I was a kid. Cause I guess they were my imaginary friends. No, yeah, I love them too. Um, this, oh, Star Wars villains. I forgot to ask you this earlier. If you could put like a, like a form, like a Star Wars villain into the Mandalorian series with Star Wars villain, what you want to see? Oh, I mean, I, I think Jabba would be a good one because he's very slow moving and, and I feel like I could, I could take him out pretty easily as the armorer. <laughs> you don't want no difficult challenges no. or nothing? You just want an easy flow? <laughs> yeah, you know, let's just take him out and get on with it. The Mandalorian people have suffered enough. I don't want to have to have a formidable enemy. Come on. Moff Gideon is challenging enough. Don't give me somebody else. <laughs> Oh, I know, like, because you're also on one of my favorite shows ever, like, Supernatural. That was, like, one of my favorite shows. Oh, thank you. Like, ever. Amara killed it. I just want to know, like, if you could, like, have, like, a tag team, like, just somebody team up to go against, like, any enemies, would you rather have Sam and Dean or the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda? Oh, no! (laughs) See, now you're going to turn one of the fandoms against me. It depends on who the enemy is, because they both have very specific skill sets. You know, if I'm going to go up against some vampires, I want Sam and Dean, obviously. But if I'm going to go up against some, like, some weird alien with, like, tentacles coming out of their face, then obviously I want I want Din and, and Grogu. I know. I feel like both of them could go with each other because Sam and Dean over here fighting the Leviathans and yeah. going against God and everything. Like, you know, <laughs> so like, I mean, oh, you put you them know. together, you can't be stopped. Yeah. You basically got every single enemy covered. No, yeah. How do you how did you feel about the supernatural ending? Because oh, I like how it ended. I, you know, the thing that I really, really liked about it is that I felt like it, first of all, how do you end a series like that? You know, that's gone on for 15 seasons that has so many characters that the fans have fallen in love with and it's covered so much. And I am, I think that it was wonderful that it came back to what I felt was most integral to that series which was the the family relationship between those brothers and then what was most important to each of them I felt like they 
they each got an ending that was fitting for them. Um, now, beyond that, it was unfortunate that it had to end during COVID because I know that they had written some other things that they wanted to do that they just couldn't because of the restrictions of COVID. Um, I didn't love how Amara ended. I felt like, you know, I wanted something better for her. I didn't want her to just get absorbed into her stupid brother. And I felt so sad for her because she she had such an incredible journey. She went from basically wanting to wipe out all of humanity to being willing to have hope and to take a chance. And then she got betrayed by stupid pretty face Dean when she finally said, okay, I will take a chance on humanity. I will take a chance on trusting you. And I'm glad that she was willing to have that, that faith. It's too bad that she kind of got kicked in the teeth, but I think, I like to think that she is having a wonderful time with Jack now and uh, and that things are going OK for the two of them. Yeah, I was I was like kind of hoping they kind of just let them alone. And then like they did like a spinoff series. I feel like they could still do a spinoff series just with because um, we call it. I think Sam had a kid and then I think Sam's yeah. kid was doing Oh my thing. gosh, so they I, could do like 25 spinoffs with all the yeah, characters. Yeah, but yeah, show. I was like, I really was expecting like, okay, you can put like Amara alone and then, yeah, I kind of wanted to see more from, I feel like we were robbed from more Amara moments because like, oh, like she was like stronger than Chuck and everything and just the whole story times and then kind of just like, I don't know what happened. I feel like they could have done more with your character. Me personally. It could have done more with, I mean, that this is the thing. They wrote such brilliant characters and there was just no way to end all of them perfectly. You know, they had to tie it all up somehow and they had to focus on Sam and Dean. So, yeah, I know it's true. But it's like you guys could have let a little leeway to the, you know, possible spin off, but it's okay. Um, oh, you also voiced um, Emily in the Last of Us video game, I believe. I, I did the motion capture for that too. Yeah. Um. Did you ever give like, kind of like, Fans, like, video games, like, if you don't do it right, people, like, go after you when they do the shows. Like, did you give Pedro any advice, like, when, before he did the series? <laughs> no, I did not. Because I, I mean, I don't feel like I have advice to give him about getting that right. You know, I did my part in that video game, and I stayed in my lane. I was not going to dare counsel him about how he should do Joel. Oh no! I just want to know if you give. I'd I be seeing the vans like when they do video games to like TV shows, and they don't get it right. They just all hell breaks loose. Like, oh my god! Like, I didn't know you guys really felt that way. You know, what I'm so I just want to know if you gave me any advice or not. He Pedro does just fine on his own. Uh, <laughs> he he had that covered. I mean, he's he's so beautiful in that role, and um, I. I just think it's delightful that he gets to be, he's such a, he's, he is so naturally such a warm and loving and charming person. And so he's, he's, he plays this father figure um, so charmingly and so beautifully and he was fine. He didn't need my advice. <laughs> Do you have like a favorite Pedro moment? Like between you, you two? Just in life? Yeah, just in life. Well, I love how much our worlds have intersected because I actually, um, we know each other from long ago in New York doing theater with the same people at the same time. Um, and I've always admired his work and just enjoyed getting to know him. And then we were on, I was on The Mentalist and he came in as um, as Lisbon, um, Lisbon's fiance. 
And I don't remember if we ever actually had scenes together, but it was so much fun that to have, you know, someone that I knew coming onto the show when I was on there. And then hilarious that our paths crossed again in this completely different world and the Mandalorian. And it's always fun when you get to work with somebody that you already know and you you know in a certain context and then you get to play with them on this entirely different playground and you already have you already have this shared knowledge, you know, because half of the challenge, I think, when you're coming onto a film set where you don't often have a lot of time for rehearsal, you don't often have a lot of time to get to know everybody and to get comfortable with them. Half the battle is getting relaxed and figuring out, you know, what your language is together. And so if you already know someone and you already feel comfortable with them, it's just so much fun and it's absolutely delightful. So I I can't wait to see where we're going to wind up together next. Speaking of next, I know before I let you go, do you have like a dream project or role that you like really want to do? Is there like a certain like person or a character that you like really want like want to portray like in a movie or, or like a TV show? Oh boy. Um, I mean, there's so many people that I would love to work with. And uh, I think in terms of the types of, of, of roles I'd want to do, um, you know, I have been so lucky to play these incredibly strong, uh, formidable, smart women. And I love that. And um, I think what I'd really like to do is, is take a load off and just be sort of stupid and goofy and, um, and, and do like an ensemble comedy that is much lower stakes. And, and, uh, is just a complete 180 from some of that and, and write thing, you know, I, I, I do write things with other people. Um, and I love the collaboration that happens when you're, you know, from improv and, and stuff like that. And, uh, I think it would be fun to get into that after doing all of this, like, these these shows especially that have all these special effects in this heightened world and it feels almost like greek in terms of the the size of the emotions and everything um i would love to go in the other direction for a little while